Hello friends and welcome back to the What Now podcast. In today's episode, it is what I call one-on-one time with your host, one-on-one with Jermaine. I haven't quite settled on the name quite yet, but I am a firm believer that it will come with time. If you listen to the very first episode, Africa Born, as I said in that episode, I'm going to be revealing portions of myself as this podcast progresses, portions of my story as we go along. As I tell other people's stories, within that, it's going to be a nice mixture of my own story because I am a firm believer that in order to be able to tell somebody else's story, yours has to be told at the same time. As I get to know all these fantastic people, and have fantastic conversation with all these lovely humans, my story will also be told along theirs. Before we go any further, I would just like to say thank you to all the people that have been supporting me through this project. It hasn't been easy. It has been challenging at times because this is a new medium for me. And... I am learning a lot, which makes it exciting, but having the support of my friends who are constantly pushing me to go forward and keep learning, I have to say thank you to them. And to those who have been listening, I hope that it has been enjoyable for you. And I hope that the content that we are making is of great quality. So we will have more stories to tell, more people to meet, more conversations to be had. But for today, I am going to be taking you through the time when I found out that I was coming to Canada as a young kid. I'm going to be taking you through essentially what I remember my mindset being at that time. And I'm going to be taking you through me taking the plane for the first time. And then eventually arriving here in Canada and the importance of family when you find yourself in those kind of situations in an environment that is very foreign to you. Having the support of your family, having that network around you to support you and essentially to all go through it together. Because we all came here together. The story begins as such. I found out that I was coming to Canada essentially at the age of nine because there was a whole process that had to take place before we were able to come and join my father who was already living here at the time and working here at the time. He had been here for many years. Essentially, when I found out I was nine years old, I believe there was a year gap between the time I found out and the time that we eventually boarded the plane and made our way to Canada. I remember when I found out, initially, the thought was more so shock. Because as a young child in that kind of environment, you are so happy and you are so content being around your family constantly, day in and day out that your mind doesn't think about going anywhere else or living any other place. 
because this is all that you have known your whole life. So there was shock in the beginning. And I was so fearful because in my mind, although I knew that I was going with my brothers and my sister, and my mom was going to be there with us, the thought of leaving the security of all my cousins and all my aunties and uncles and the ease as which we lived life together, I was scared to lose that. Obviously, at the time, I didn't understand it. But now, being an adult and thinking back on those memories that I remember, it is a lot of fear, a lot of fear, a lot of confusion, confusion being why are we leaving here everything here is just so fantastic everything here is so great i'm familiar with everything here i don't want to leave this comfort but also excitement because when you are born and raised in africa there's a certain perception that north american european countries have there's a certain appeal so when you for example watch tv you see this grand kind of lifestyle that people have there and how the kids they were dressed. When I was a kid, I was very much into fashion. I tried my best to not to look the flyest. <laughs> I really did try my best to look the flyest. So from that standpoint, there was also excitement because I was going to be allowed to experience something that was brand new, something that was very opposite to the way that I grew up in Ivory Coast. In Ivory Coast, of course, family, togetherness, quite important. Meanwhile, in the West, it is more the family unit sticks together and it's more individualistic families that have relationships within the broader family. It is not the case for every single family, of course, but for the majority of the time, that's what I've personally noticed. There was also excitement coming to Canada, not knowing anything about the country at all, never even heard of it, to be honest. Mostly the countries that we heard about was mostly countries in Europe. The biggest one was, of course, friends. I find out that I'm going and we go through uh, the paperwork that we need to get done in order for us to be able to then travel and move to Canada. And like I said, all these emotions that I've discussed, I felt all of those things. But in the end, the biggest emotion was sadness. Sadness because I was, like I said, I keep repeating myself, I feel like, but I was leaving the only situation I had known. And I, I remember asking my mom this, is everybody coming with us? And then she said, no. And then I started crying because for me, our family was always together. And the family unit was all of us, you know? Like I said, in Africa Born, it takes a village to raise a child. So I thought the whole village was uprooting and moving to Canada. But obviously, as a child, I didn't understand the intricacies and the complexities that surrounded those kind of things. But I was sad. I was sad. And within the last, yeah, the last couple of weeks in my time there in Ivory Coast, I remember crying a lot. And I remember being sad a lot. And I remember having to essentially regress myself and my friends because I knew that I was leaving. So I wouldn't go out to play as much. I would stay at home more. So there was a lot of sadness in those last couple of weeks. For one, I knew I was leaving. And I also knew that I wasn't coming back for a while. So all of those emotions I felt as a child in that moment.
when the decision was announced to me. But now for the better part of the story, in my opinion, of course, the first part is just quite as important. But the second part is a little bit more lighter and a little bit funnier. <laughs> so we go to Abidjan to stay with my uncle. I think the last week of my time in Ivory Coast before we board the flight and go to Canada. So I remember my brother Isaac, my sister Arby, and my mom left first. And then they were followed by myself and my younger brother Ezekiel. And I remember we were so nervous because we were two kids flying. Of course, we were gonna have the flight attendant that was gonna be with us and looking after us. But I remember being so nervous. I remember crying so much and I was so scared. And mind you, I had never been on the plane before. So this is my first time I'm leaving the country that I was born and raised in to go live in a completely new place on an object that I've never been on before. So as a child, my eyes are looking everywhere. Like I'm taking everything in. I'm watching everything. And I remember we boarded the plane. And while we're boarding the plane, I remember my uncle being at the bottom uh, at the, in the airport, waving us goodbye. And I remember just bawling my eyes out, crying so much. And then he kept telling me, don't cry, don't cry. It's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay. Because I can imagine for him as well, it must have been tough to see these two kids go off on a plane with a random lady that you don't know, going to a place that they don't even know. But nevertheless, we boarded the plane, Ezekiel and I, and <laughs> till this day, I remember this so vividly. It was Ezekiel and I's first time seeing a white person on a flight. And I believe me and Ezekiel were sitting next to each other and the gentleman was sitting on the window seat. And I remember both of us looking at each other and I'm pretty sure we asked him, we asked each other. I think we, he whispered into my ear and he goes, is that a white person? Of course, we were only speaking in French because that's all we, that we knew at the time. And then I looked at the gentleman and I looked back at Ezekiel and I said, yeah, yeah, it is, it is. So for the whole flight, we just kept looking at this guy. We just kept watching him and the way that he moved and the way that he communicated with the flight attendant that would come and look after us and ask us if we were okay, if we needed anything. And we were just so fascinated because it was so far removed from our reality. Of course, you saw white people on TV, but to be sitting next to one, it was shocking in a way, to be honest. But it was a great experience. It was a great experience because we just sat there, him and I, just watching around, learning as much as we could. I remember, I'm pretty sure at one point we asked him for help to turn on the TV on, on the flight. And he was very kind and helped us out and put on, I think it was Lion King or one of those kid movies on for us. So it was very nice. He was a very nice man. Eventually, we left Abidjan and then we traveled to Paris. And then we got, when we got to Paris, they took us off the flight and ushered us into a private room or whatever. And we sat there and waited there and they brought us food and all those things. And that was also shocking because it was a massive airport and we were walking around, just like looking around, me and my brother, taking all these things in. In our thought, we thought that we had arrived in Canada already. <laughs> so we, were, we thought that they were taking us. Of course, 
to go meet our families, but unfortunately not. We were ushered to that private room and sat there for a couple of hours while we had this layover in Paris. And then eventually we boarded the flight. I believe that flight was about seven hours, seven and a half hours. And then when we arrived at the airport, the flight attendant took us down into the arrival. And then I remember seeing my dad, my mom, Isaac, Arvine, and it was just so happy, so, so happy just seeing them. I remember my brother and my sister were just smiling so much. And then my dad was also smiling so much. Everybody was so happy that we arrived safely. The next thing that I remember was how loud it was. Like just the loudness of the city. There were so many cars. People were honking all the time. It was just so much loudness. And eventually we went home. I think it was the first time we had a burger. Yeah, we had a burger. I remember not liking it at all. I thought it was the grossest thing. <laughs> it's funny looking back at those memories now because throughout my life now, I've moved so much. And each time that I move, I now look at that experience with excitement. Like I'm looking forward to moving. I'm looking forward to being in a new space. So within Canada itself, I have lived in... Toronto, Ottawa, Gatineau, Edmonton, Abbotsford, and now Vancouver. The first move that I did was right after high school. I went to Ottawa to study. I went to La Cité Collégiale. A lot of people think I went to Carlton. No, I went to La Cité Collégiale. After high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to go into business. So I applied there, I got in, and it was my sister and I we were living together at the time in the basement of a house in Ottawa. I must say, I'll be honest, those days were some of the toughest days I had. I'm not even going to deny that. The house that we're living in, it didn't have cooking place in the basement. So we had to cook upstairs, but only within a certain time we could go up and use the kitchen. And obviously we were in school, so it was really tough to be able to match the time with the requirements and you couldn't have any guests. You know, man's was in college, you know? Man's was a young man. <laughs> Live his life a little bit, but we couldn't do any of those things. So it was challenging in those ways. So I didn't like staying there too much. So I would try to stay with friends as much as I could. A lot of my friends in those days would also tell you the same thing. I stayed with a lot of my friends. I didn't like going home because it wasn't comfortable for me. I lived in Ottawa for two years because the first year was in Ottawa, and then the second year, I lived in Gatineau. That time was even more rough. <laughs> oh man, this is the part of the story where it is good to have friends, friends who help you when you're in need. I'm just gonna tell you guys a quick story. At the time, when I lived in that Gatineau house, Gatineau was a little bit further, but it was cheaper to live. The truth was, I was broke. I didn't have any money. Also, I didn't come in at the time. For the first couple months, I couldn't afford anything. I didn't have any money to buy anything. I had to rough it out. And thankfully, I had great friends. Because obviously, when we moved to the place in Ottawa, it was furnished, so we didn't buy anything. I didn't have a bed. And thankfully, my friend, Jared, came to the rescue. His wonderful mother, Auntie Charlotte, lovely woman, sent me an air mattress. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what I slept on for a while. 
until eventually I purchased a bed. But for those first few months, I slept in the air mattress <laughs> in the room. And that was a, a fun, interesting time. A fun, interesting time. All those experiences made me who I am today. So I'm not ashamed of any of it. I am very proud of all those moments. And then, unfortunately, I didn't like living in Ottawa. I didn't like going to school. I didn't like what I was studying, business. I only went into business because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I dropped out. I didn't even finish. I dropped out and told my father. And my father essentially gave me an ultimatum. He said, you can come home, but you can't live in the house. You have to go live with your mom, which I was more than fine with. But then he hit me with, if you want to take time off, I'll send you to go live with your uncle in Edmonton. But the only promise that you have to make me is... Within the next semester, you have to apply and get into a school. Initially, I was very much against it because I just wanted to go live in Toronto, be around my friends. My dad would not have it. So I agreed reluctantly to the ticket and I went to Edmonton. Living in Edmonton was fun. This is where the story gets a little bit, as they say, funny. <laughs> so I get to Edmonton and my uncle comes and picks me up from the airport. And on the way home, he asked me if I know how to drive. And the last time that I drove was actually with him when he was living in Ontario. I don't know if you listened to this and he'll remember this, but he was living in Ontario at the time and he took us driving in, in a parking lot. So that was the last time that I drove with anybody, if I recall properly. So he asked me if I know how to drive. I said, well, I have my G1. I need to learn how to drive. So no, but I'm down to drive. He's like, okay, when we get back to the house, I'm going to drive us home. And we'll have to go grocery shopping. Your drive was to the grocery store. And I first like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing this. But my uncle, he's somebody who's very, he's not pushy. But if he says one thing, that's what we're doing. If he says we're doing this, that's what we're doing. And that's final. So I knew that, but I fought it. I was like, no, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. He said, hey, listen, we're doing this. Final. So I had to do it. So I agreed to it. Reluctantly. Get to the house. We rest for a bit. And then he says, we're going grocery shopping. You're driving. I get in the car. I turn it on and I drive until the light. The lights were red, so I stopped. <laughs> While I was stopped, for some reason, although my foot was on the brake, I felt the need, because maybe because I watched too many movies, to put it in reverse. <laughs> and there was a car behind us. So when the light turned green, I didn't put it back in drive. I pushed the gas and it went back and I... <laughs> Unfortunately, hit that car, not them. But thankfully, there was no damage. Nothing was broken, nothing like that. It was a very light tap. But as you can imagine, my uncle, he wasn't mad, but he wanted to talk to them and he got back in the car. We actually laughed about it, but he obviously said, I'm never letting you drive again. So he never let me drive the car again. So I never learned to drive. So that's the reason why I don't drive to this day. I blame my uncle for this. I have trauma from those days, so I don't drive right now, but we're working on it. And also, a lot of people think when I went to Edmonton, I want to work on the oil rigs. Fam, come on. <laughs> no, I was working at Abercrombie and Finch <laughs> at West Edmonton Mall. That's where I actually met one of my really good friends, Fenton. Because when I was living there, I didn't know a lot of people. And he started working there. When he started working there, unfortunately, it was towards the end of my time. But it was great meeting him because he made Edmonton more enjoyable. It was quite nice. 
So the agreement was, if I was going to live with my uncle, I had to look for a school and be registered to go back to school. I, th- I believe it was in, in January, I believe it was. My dad, even from those days, told me, I think that you should go to the West Coast. And I was like, why? Why would I go to the West Coast? I don't know anybody there. I don't want to be there. I want to be back in Toronto with all my friends. So that's what I did. I applied to school, to Humber College, and I got in. But my dad, from the very beginning, put the thought into my mind that I should go to the West Coast. But of course, what young man ever listens to their parents? They must do things their own, their own way and find their own path. So that's what I did. I went back to Toronto. And being back in Toronto after living in Edmonton and being back around my friends, I think at that point in my life, it was something that I really much needed. So those days, I was uh, what my friends would describe as an angry young black man. <laughs> We were going out a lot and I was angry a lot. I don't really know why, but I was hurling and saying a lot of mean things in those days to a lot of people that did not deserve it. So to those people, if you're listening, if you remember, and I'm sure you don't, I would like to apologize. I am very sorry for all those mean words that came from that young man's mouth. But it was nice because I got to spend a lot of time around my friend Koshi. And through Koshi, at the time he was going to UFT, I got to meet one of my really good friends, Mikey, who was from Vancouver. So there were all these signs that were pointing towards me moving to Vancouver, but I wasn't aware enough. I didn't think about it enough. So I met Mikey at UFT. Funny, funny guy. We had a lot of good times together and shared a lot of good memories together. One of the things that we would do, me, Koshi, Mikey, Simon, Ryan, we would often go to All You Can Eat Sushi and we would order an absurd amount of sushi. It was a tradition for us. We would go, I think, every other month or sometimes even more often, depending on everybody's schedule, but we would go get sushi quite often and we would order absurd amount of sushi and we would sit there. We would not leave until every single bite of sushi was finished. And then once we finished all the sushi, we would all order like five scoops of ice cream, although we were so full, and then we would sit there and eat it. We would not leave until all the ice cream was finished, and this is probably the dumbest thing we would do, but of course, after eating so much sushi, you would have to puke. And the way that we would decide who would eat the sushi after we were all full, we would do rock, paper, scissors, and the loser would have to eat a piece of sushi. We became really good at rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> So many good memories. And then eventually, when I graduated from Humber College, I wanted to get my undergrad. Initially, I wanted to go to Halifax because Jared was going to Dallas at the time and I had applied to St. Mary's University. I had got in and I accepted the offer, so I was moving to Halifax. And then, of course, my father once again put the idea into my mind of applying to the West Coast just to see if I would get into one of the schools. So initially, I wanted to go to UBC or SFU, but SFU wouldn't take any of my credits. UBC was too late to apply. I googled universities and uh, the first one that came up was uh, the University of Fraser Valley in Abbotsford. So I said, why not? I just applied to it and I got in. I remember talking to my dad and asking him what he thought about it. And his response was, you know what I think? I've always told you to go to the West Coast and I think it would be perfect for you. So within that moment, I accepted the offer and I packed my bags and moved to Abbotsford. I didn't even know where Abbotsford was. I remember telling Mikey that I was moving to BC and he, his first thought was, to Vancouver? I was like, nah fam, I'm moving to Abbotsford. <laughs> and I think his response was, what the fuck? 
do you realize that you're moving to farmland? And I was like, shit, bro. Because I didn't know where it was. But I was going to go nevertheless. And I remember getting an apartment off Craigslist. But the flight moved. And I remember my first thought when I arrived at the apartment. I was like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Where the fuck am I? But thankfully, the university had an opening on the residence. So I was able to go and live there. And that changed my whole experience. That alone made my time in Abbotsford so much more enjoyable. I met some of the greatest people. I met a lot of international kids. That allowed me then to go live in Europe for a year, but that's a story for another time. I met some of my greatest friends there. My friend Bernard, I met him at the university because he was dating a young lady who was living at the university. She was on exchange. That is also a story for another time. One which we will tell one of these days when me and Bernard are together. But through him, I got an opportunity to get a job at a restaurant in Abbotsford, which changed my whole experience in Abbotsford. Once again, through that restaurant, I met some of my greatest friends, some of the most loving, kindest people that I've come to know till this day. So my time in Abbotsford was tremendous. I loved every single minute of my time in Abbotsford. It was wonderful. It was some of the best memories that I've had in a place with some of the most genuine people and one of the best communities that I've lived in. And then recently, I moved to Vancouver. And this journey thus far has been fun and exciting for so many reasons. Because the first one, obviously, being it has allowed me to pursue other interests, such as a podcast. Eternally grateful for that. And it's bringing me a different perspective and a different thought. So it's allowed me to grow as a person and to challenge myself in a lot of new ways, which I love. So I'm eternally grateful for that. I'm eternally grateful for all the cities that I've lived in and perhaps all the cities that I'm going to live in in the future. I'm also looking forward to that. But that will be it for story time with Jermaine today, one-on-one with Jermaine. The question for you today is, what is your favorite city that you've lived in? And what are those, some of those memories that you have in those cities? And what has allowed you to call it your favorite city, if that makes sense. I don't know, but I'm going to go with it. Please tell me. Always, I can be reached on Instagram at Pod. Come, let's have a chat. I'm always available. Make sure you tune in next week. We have a banger of an episode with the lovely Haley Duke. We're talking Chakuri boards. I think I said that right. Sorry for the accent. <laughs> I tried my best. But next week is going to be a banger. We're diving into her story, her business the excitement that she has for her business, the struggles that she faced, how she overcame all of those things to become a true entrepreneur and thinking about other things, new ventures possibly, but you'll have to listen to find out. Tune in next week. It's going to be a banger of an episode. Thank you for listening in as always. Have a lovely day. Have a wonderful evening. Ciao.